Michelle is a musician with albums released as Everyone Except Me and artist behind the post-apocalyptic webcomic Stray Cats. She's kind, a bit shy, and furiously creative. Henrik is a filmmaker with over two dozen films and TV shows as producer, director, and occasionally host. He also released a couple of music albums. He's bombastic, larger than life, and tenacious almost to a fault. Together, they've been best friends for a decade. This show is awkward. So, Michelle. Yeah. What were you doing <laughs> just then before we went live? You started like punching or something. Oh, what I was were you just doing? pounding on my table because I was um, stressed out and I realized I can't do that when Giggs is around. So it seemed like the perfect time. <laughs> so you're like, time to get my fill while I can, yeah. while the getting is good. Yeah, when, uh, when uh, the dogs are away sometimes, like when they're. Uh, with a pet sitter for a night or something while I'm uh, we're traveling or whatever. I always have that moment when I make a really loud sound and I'm like, Oh, no one and nothing cares. Mm-hmm. It's a weird sense of autonomy, you know, <laughs> like, like, Oh, like, you know, you accidentally let, you accidentally drop something in the kitchen that makes like a really loud sound and then just nothing else happens. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice. It also reminds you you're alone mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. So, I mean, I was about to say, how are you today, Michelle? But you're not well. Not really. (laughs) Sorry. Well, so, I mean, there are lots of good reasons, but the main reason is you, you have your gigs is getting her teeth cleaned right now. Your cat Mm -hmm. gigs. And it's just frustrating for those who don't have pets. It's just, you have to, it's, it's, they have to go under anesthesia. So you just have to kind of nervously wait. You know, and hopefully everything went great, which it probably has gone very well. I mean, we don't even know if it's happened yet. I would be shocked if they hadn't done the surgery by two o'clock because I'm pretty sure most small animals need at least four hours to recover. It feels like that's late, but maybe, but I only know what they do with dogs. Mm -hmm. So maybe with cats, it's different. I mean, I really don't know. They just said they'd call me when she was recovering and stuff. Yeah. They said they're going to shave her arm, which I don't want them to. Oh, that's going to be so cool for the IV. Yeah. Oh, she's going to have a small leg. She's going to be walking around with one small leg. Well, I mean, her, she's she's short hair and her fur is pretty close. So I don't think it's going to be that small, especially not on her be. legs. I think it'll be very noticeable. Although I have impossibly fluffy dogs. Mm-hmm. Like when Chicano yeah. had a bare chest from his uh, tumor removal, it looked very funny for quite a while. Cause like, cause the, 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 inc- the uh, incision heals way faster than the fur grows in. Mm-hmm. So like he had no stitches, no nothing, just a minor scar. And he was still very like smooth down there. And, yeah. and he has that super white skin too. Mm-hmm. So like, or not white, but you know, very, very, very uh, fair and pink. So you just like be like, oh, look at the little pink boy. Look at the little pink boy. That's why I was calling him during this, calling him little pink boy. Mm-hmm. So, and then when they like uh, when they shave his uh, his little leg to to put a uh, IV in or whatever, it, it there's just like it's just like big puffy and then like indent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I, I can't pretend my dogs aren't both obscenely fluffy. That is definitely that is definitely accurate. Also, I didn't have the chat up so that I could read it. Um, oh, David Denoyer said Rumpel couldn't have a dental ca- cause uh, be- being oh dental 
he she couldn't have a dental cleaning because being 20, the vet wouldn't get, couldn't guarantee she'd wake back up. Uh, but then he says cats seem more susceptible to anesthesia from what Allie was telling me. I didn't think cats were more susceptible, but I mean, like once Henwolf is way up in senior, they're going to say the exact same thing. They say that to any animal once it gets into a certain point of seniority. Yeah. But like even my mom's 15 year old Shih Tzu is still healthy enough to go under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. So it does. It's once you enter into an extreme level of age. Uh, they, they don't really recommend it. That's one of the reasons they kind of recommend you try to get the teeth cleanings done, you know, is because one day you won't be able to have their teeth cleaned anymore. So you want to make sure you've done as much as you can for their teeth. As Henwolf literally staring at me from the hallway, I really need to schedule her a teeth cleaning, but it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) But I need to, I need to get that on the books. I've almost paid off the care credit card, which means that I'm due to max it out again (laughs) i I, that's literally i feel like that's in the terms but like you don't even have to know you agreed to it just in the terms of it's like be aware that when the balance reaches zero you will need another medical procedure Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's like con sarnet so and chicano needs a a teeth cleaning relatively soon too she also could use that little tumor on her neck taken off it's non-cancerous we already know it's benign but may as well cut it off while they're in there at least it's on the back of her neck so she won't have to wear the what people like to call it the cone of shame but on henwolf it's the cone of destruction mm-hmm. yeah so and then poor chicano when he wore the cone he just laid on the ground and gave up like, yeah. when, when it was on him he just laid on the ground and gave up wouldn't even wouldn't even try anything just nope i died <laughs> so but uh i'm sure Giggs is okay we'll see Maybe you'll luck out and you'll get the call while we're on the air. I mean, it's possible, but yeah. It seems highly likely. Well, I'm sorry. You know, really, you know, I mean, we've only done 122 episodes. I'm glad you you know to shrug to answer questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when we started doing the show, we didn't see each other for because mm-hmm. visually we couldn't see each other because this was before the great zooming of human existence where now everyone basically knows how to zoom with each other to do zoom meetings and stuff. So we used to just talk and it was like, kind of like the phone almost, you know, we, mm-hmm. we couldn't see each other. And I'm trying to remember if you used to shrug on that too. <laughs> you couldn't tell though. Cause <laughs> you couldn't see me. Yeah. Part of me wonders if I'd be like, Michelle, you'd be like, I was shrugging and I'd be like, ah, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. So yeah, I, um, I had to go to the bank. Um, I had to start paying on my out of control discover card. So I needed to do some moving some money around. I sure hope that the next uh, royalty check I get is, uh, is decent. I really need to make a dent in my debt. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out there, watch my movies on Tubi. <laughs> I need those 30 cents. Come on, work with me here, people. But, uh, but uh, so right before I left, I had a person I've been uh, friendly with uh, message me and basically inform me that I ghosted them, but I ghosted them not by not replying to them, but by simply discontinuing to always initiate conversation. Mm-hmm. Cause when they said that, I looked back at what we, the last thing we'd said. And the last thing that was said was from me. So I hadn't been replied to ever. Yeah. And that made me think about like, how many times in life you end up in like a totally one-sided friendship or a mm-hmm. one-sided relationship of sorts and how frustrating and like demoralizing it is. 
to realize like, oh, if I just stop, I, I, I can't tell you how many, and I'm not trying to be that person, but I find it with women more than men on my end. I find that uh, often women will expect me to like make all of the communication to start all of the conversations and it, and it's so easy to stop being their friend. Cause all I have to do is stop reaching out first and then I'll literally never hear from them. Mm-hmm. Like I've had friendships end where, because I just decided like, you know, I'm just only going to reply. I'm not going to start the conversation. And then they never communicate again. It's a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. I mean, do you have any experience like that? No. None? You I mean, you think you think I reach out to people and like I don't know. You do have friends. I mean, I'm not I'm not <laughs> sure about that. The look on your face just what the hell is he talking about? Yeah, I don't know what what you think my life is like, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean I mean, for the record, I told you about this concept as like the, uh, the, the, the concept of the episode. And you said, sounds good. I assume that meant because you had something to say about oh, it. Oh no, it didn't. What? Then why did you, why did you say you liked it? Cause I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, my feelings are hurt now. No, I mean, no, I'm, I don't know. I, I like, I honestly, I mean, I guess maybe at one point. I had those things, but I've Friends? just gotten, yeah, um, no, no, like, like where I've tried a lot harder than the other person. Sure. Uh, I got really, really burned just constantly when yeah. I was younger doing that. So I just kind of backed off. Makes sense. I mean, it does. It makes sense. There's a, there's an, a- an attitude especially in when it comes to dating more so than just friendships Mm -hmm. that men are supposed to like initiate everything all the time forever. And it's a really great way to feel like you don't matter very quickly (laughs) to be like, Oh cool. So if I stop, if I stop waking up every day and texting, there is no friendship. Nice. That feels good. feels real good. Like I notice when people go out of their way to message me, I notice it. Cause I appreciate it. It's nice to know somebody wants to talk to me and not just because I'm contacting them. I mean, you can look at it that way if that's the way you want to look at it. Well, I don't, but that's not see, well, it would be different if, but the examples I'm giving are like, I don't start the conversation. So literally I never hear from them again. Maybe they think that, you don't like them anymore. And so, well, I don't free. anymore now that they've never, rep- never replied to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I bug you a lot. Very often I, <laughs> I bug you. I contact you, you know, we, I, I, I initiate a conversation with you, but if I didn't initiate a conversation with you, we would end up talking in a day or two, mm-hmm. you know, we're, cause we're friends. We like wonder how each other are doing and, and we want to check on each other. And, uh, and see what's up or share funny stories or share memes or whatever. That's my point is like, I don't expect them to, to religiously reach out, but when it turns out like, oh, I guess that's the end of the friendship. Cause I stopped, <laughs> I stopped reaching out. It's like, well, then I don't think that was a, I think that was a pretty one-sided friendship. Yeah. 
Because this person who said, like, you ghosted me was, like, responding only in, like, one, maybe two or three words to everything I said anyway. So I started to get tired of it. And, and sometimes taking, like, five or six hours. Like, sometimes just not replying until the next day. Mm-hmm. It's a little It's a little annoying, especially without any warning. There's no warning, like, hey, I'm really busy, ever. There was never any, like, I'm really busy or I'm at work. Never heard any of that. Just a key. And, and sometimes never replying to what I say at all. They just reply to the next day when I would follow up and be like, Hey, how are you? And then they start talking to me. I'm like, Hey, did you not even notice? Like you'd think it would have been enough of a hint when I actually said like, are you getting my messages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I legitimately was wondering, I was like, maybe she's just not getting these messages. So, yeah. Hey, my buddy Matt's in here. Uh, Matthew Ryan says it sucks when a friendship ends just because one person is the only one reaching out. It's, it's tough. It really is. I mean, and, and it, it, cause friendships, obviously they, they shift and they morph and they change, you know, but there is a, a sense of just like, ouch, when it's like, oh, I guess we never are friends again. I don't know. I it just, it's just something I thought about and, you know, it's not like you were coming up with what the show should be about. So I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> Stop looking at the chat. I'm not. Yes, you were. Oh, <laughs> you're so vain. You're just like, but they might be saying something about me. I have to know. <laughs> uh, oh, Dave said something. I just, there we go. Uh, I take that shit hard, brother. I get it. It's, it's not, it, that's the thing, you know, like, and that's why I get mad at the idea of being, of being told I, I was ghosting because I didn't start any more conversations. Because then it's like, not only are you being shitty in the way that you just don't feel like you need to talk or, or, or start the conversation, but then you feel the need to blame me for it you have to be like, what's your deal? So now I know you strictly expect me to start every conversation. Yeah. That's I mean, a lot of pressure. I also think that that's just shitty. Like why, like to just kind of out of the blue, be like, oh, I, you know, I guess you're ghosting me. Cause yeah. like, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's really shitty. Uh, yeah, I, I I just feel like maybe some people get caught up in their own shit and they just don't. Yeah, well, that, but, and I'm not and I'm not saying that they're like the worst person in the world or that they should be punched in the head or you know or anything like that. All I'm saying is that's not a good friend. You know, like some people go through times where they're not as ideal as you know, maybe they would like to be. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. I would accept an apology or an explanation. It doesn't even really have to be an apology. I mean, I feel like sorry just fits in with the, I was really busy with all this stuff. Sorry. I feel like mm-hmm. sorry fits with that, but you don't have to lead with sorry. That's the other thing is like, sometimes I meet people who like, if they have to apologize, they think that's such a massive affront. It's like, no, I apologize like all day long, all the time. Like, sorry, I bumped my, shopping cart into your cart, you know, like it's, it's, it's it, uh, I just don't understand people who are that have that mentality where they're just like, ah, eh, you know, I don't have to do anything. People will just be my friend and actively friend me, even if I don't want to friend them, you know, mm-hmm. or if I don't feel like, it. and then I'll be mad when they stop. That's the worst part. Like to me, if you want to accuse somebody of ghosting, that's a very simple thing. You know, you look back at your text, realize you sent three texts and never got a reply. And now it's been many days. Mm-hmm. 
And then you could say like, have I been ghosted? I've had to say that to people like, so am I ghosted now? Should I just like fuck off? Like, should I just, should I just fall down? Should I just take a long walk off short fuck? You know, like, is that what I need to do? And sometimes you do get, most times you get a nice response of like, oh, I'm, I'm really, I'm sorry. I'm just this and that and this and that. It's like, no, I get it. Like everybody's allowed to have a life full of uh challenge, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't pretend I've always been able to reply to a text message in like an hour or two, but you know, usually in a day or two, <laughs> I might figure it out. Um, but yeah, that, the, but this person that ticked me off today, I mean, there was no, literally no excuse was even given. They were just like, yeah. so you're, you're not talking to me anymore. It's like, I said the last thing. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. Like what, what, what am I supposed to do? I really want to know, like, what am I supposed to do? Michelle, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Cry. That's your answer to everything. I'm so tired of asking you questions when that's your answer. I don't know. Why do you always want me to cry? I I just think that's what you do when (laughs) things are bad. I mean, it's okay to cry. Crying gets the sad out. You remember that song? No. You don't remember It's Okay to Cry? I don't think so. Ah, it's okay. I would play it, but like, we'll just get yet another copyright hit that I have yeah. to, that I have to explain away by going, well, we played three, four seconds of it and we talked over it the whole time. And they're like, yeah. and they're like, oh, we don't know if that's fair use. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So, <laughs> but, uh, we actually, much to my shock, we have not been demonetized in weeks. Wow. I guess it's cause I haven't said Jew. Yeah. Um, or referenced your Judaism. So, or maybe it was that time I literally called out whoever manually reviews and said, like, they're going to demonetize us for talking about Judaism. Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, <laughs> that's not the good look. No. So, I don't know. I've actually, I've had a pretty rough week. Um, ah, show business, right? It's, there's no business like show business, like, no business I know. And, uh, do you ever hear that joke, uh, uh, about the, the, there's these two guys, right. And they work in the circus and, uh, they're, as they're moving along in life, they're, they're getting frustrated because they work at the circus. They never really get to do anything fun, but they have the freedom, you know, they get to be on the road. They get to be out in the world, you know, traveling. And one of them, when they go to Binghamton, New York, one of them, uh, meets a girl while they're there and goes, dude, I'm staying like, I'm staying here with this girl and we're going to see if we can start a family or whatever. And the guy's like, I think you're making a mistake, but Hey, it's your life. You know, you do what you got to do. So then five, six years later, the circus comes back to town and here the guy stands with his wife and two little kids, you know, watching the, the circus parade. Mm-hmm. And as he's watching the parade go through town, he notices that his old buddy is following the elephant with a dumpster and a scoop scooping up their poop and putting it in the, in the bucket. So he runs up to him and goes, Mark, Mark, uh, I can't believe this. Like, don't you want to do something more with your life? Don't you want to get out of this? Like, look what you're doing. And, and Mark looks at him and goes, what? And quit show business. <laughs> and I always loved that. I always loved that joke. That's a joke. There are, you know, there are books you like, you know, read Moby Dick every five years. You'll get something new out of it every time, you know, or, or, uh, <laughs> Michelle is shaking her head because nobody's not everybody can see you right now. 
Oh, no. That's very ableist no. of you, by the way, to shake your head instead I, of answering. I know. But if yeah. I say no, then what about the people who can't hear me? You can say no and shake your head. Okay. Um, and while you're at it, like write it on a piece of paper and hold it up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Uh, <laughs> but I love that joke because that it's like, instead of it being like a great book or a great film that every time you watch it at different points in your life, you get more from it. Mm-hmm. I get it from that joke. Every time I hear that joke, like, I'm like, okay, I'm now eight, almost eight years into full-time in show business. And I really get that joke. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Do I get that joke? Um, cause there is this belief, this concept that show business is inherently glamorous mm-hmm. that I used to be like, I don't think it is. And now I'm like, how could anyone think it is <laughs> like, like the glamor of show business is, is like for like literally like 4% of the people in show business. Mm-hmm. And even they are not glamorous all the time. Like, you know, no matter how famous, no matter how famous and how rich you are you pretty much have to show up at 6am to get into makeup. Like, like, cause you, no matter how rich and how famous you are, the sun comes up at a certain time every day and they need you to be ready. And they need that light to Mm -hmm. film you. So no matter how rich and famous you are, if you're starring in a movie, you can't be like, we're going to start about noon. I want to just like come over after I eat some in and out burger. They they can't, they, they, they'll just be like, no, like, you, you, so it's going to be unglamorous um, or like big time directors, you know, they end up frustrated as shit because people always talk about like how Alfred Hitchcock was mean to his actors. He was notoriously short with them and sometimes very mean with them. Yeah. But the, the legend goes that he used to like to befriend the actors, but then he always felt very betrayed by them when they uh-huh. would uh, do something he didn't like or whatever. Cause by definition, if you're going to be a director, you at least when you're working are a control freak to some extent. I mean, sure. you may go with the flow plenty, but at the end of the day, everybody's asking you, what are we doing next? Is this good? Was that good? Did you like that? How do you feel about it? You know, they're always mm-hmm. asking you questions. Yeah. But he got to a point where he used to just say actors are cattle. Like you just push them around. And a lot of people thought he just legitimately hated actors. But I think it's, and, I, and some other people too, smarter people than me, think that what Hitchcock's real issue was, was that he had worked his entire life directing hit after hit movie for a really long time. All of his movies were big hits and he still had to kowtow to some 28 year old movie star in order to get the movie made at all. And if that movie star was unhappy during the production, he could get fired, but not them. And I totally get that. Like, especially after putting a good decade into making movies, I don't, I don't deal with actors that could do that. I mean, my level is too low, but Mm -hmm. I could totally see like, you know, it's like, wow, I put 15 years into my directing career and now this person, this is their second movie and they can fire me. Yeah. You kind of resent them. Yeah. You know, especially if they throw that weight around, if they're like, I don't like it. It's like, well, but, but I'm in charge. It's like, are you? It's like, wow. (sighs) So, and they know, they know that stuff because their agents and their managers tell them, you know, you have a certain degree of power that you should exert. But maybe that, but why, why, why wouldn't they just want to be nice and get along? Well, but they, I don't think they think they're being mean. I think they think they're being creative and giving their input 
And I think they, I think they don't quite understand the way it would feel because they have, they haven't, a lot of these people haven't mm -hmm. put like 20 years of their lives into something. They probably barely have 20 years to put into anything. Uh, yeah. But yeah. they, so they should be told by people that are around them instead of like, you got to throw your weight around. They should be told you're not that smart. So just do what everyone else tells you. <laughs> you're like, agents should be negging their clients. Listen, you're ugly and you're stupid. You're lucky to be here. Sit down and shut up. Actually. What, what's, what are what you going to say? I don't know. Oh, just, well, actually, that's not entirely an inaccurate thing either, though. Mm -hmm. When actors tend to have really big egos, it's usually the rule of thumb is when an actor is being really difficult, but they are the star, like they have a power over the production. Traditionally, the studio will call their agent and, and be like, look, if they don't shape up, they're fired. And mm -hmm. those are the people who absolutely control, like they can decide the movie just doesn't exist anymore. Right. And usually then their agent is on the phone with them, like yelling at them. And telling them like, you know, what the hell is wrong with you? You did da, 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 and making them feel really stupid. But is that the first time they've made them feel really stupid? Is that the first time they've said, hey, these people could fire you? Because if it is, they fucked up. I mean, I, I'm, I'm mostly refer I'm definitely mostly referring to like the younger end of movie stars. Yeah. And I'm saying I, that they should be told that they need to sh shut the fuck up sometimes because they're young and they don't know what's going on and they want to have careers. Before it comes down to if this person doesn't shape up, we're going to fire them. I like how mean Michelle is. This is my favorite part of the day. Uh, Jeff McClellan, my old buddy Jeffy, just commented, said, actors are props. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't actually apply to that school of thinking. I think actors are a major collaborative benefit to any production. Getting to sit down. But it can be frustrating. Some actors demand a lot of you while everything else is also demanding a lot of you. You know, an actor will be like tugging on your shirt. Hey, hey, I need to ask you a question. It's like, I'm telling them where to put the lights. What's up? You know? And then they'll be like, you know, famous Alfred Hitchcock quote. An actor, a famous actor once said, what's my motivation? And he looked him dead in the eyes and said, your paycheck. <laughs> you know, I do. If I have the time, I like to sit down with an actor and talk about their motivation mm -hmm talk about the backstory of their character that I've imagined for them or what the backstory they've imagined for the character is. Cause some actors do an entire um, background on every character they do. Not all, yeah. but some, some do some of them even do it in writing. Like they write down Ooh. like a backstory for their character. And then they say, will you read this? And I go, yeah. And I never read it. Why would I read it? Why would I read it? I mean, cause I'm just going to find it out when I ask them questions later about how they're performing. Why wouldn't you say, no, let's just talk about it. Real because fast. then they'll start acting like crybaby actors. This all just sounds like not fun. <laughs> what? What? And quit show business? <laughs> <laughs> See? See? Now you're getting it, kid. Now you're getting uh... it. <laughs> no, it, it, the problem is playing make-believe all day just there's no way that can be as fun as it sounds like it would be. It just can't be that fun. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't think it sounds fun. So you don't think it sounds fun to play pretend all day. Not, not, not when it's being recorded. And <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's the rub. And other people can see it. 
uh, that's the rub, man. That's the, the part that stinks. Uh, oh God, David DeNoyer just commented. I mean, show business worked out great for Tammy Faye Baker. Well, she, it's not like she got murdered or anything. She just fell from grace after her husband, uh, embezzled way too much money from the church. Do you remember the Bakers? No, you don't remember. Uh, uh, Oh, I don't even remember the other guy's name. We just, Dave and I, last night we watched, um, the Tammy Faye Baker biopic that just came out. She was a, a famous wife of a famous televangelist and they did their own show. Mm-hmm. Right. And of all of the televangelists of that era of like the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, they were very progressive. Uh, Tammy Faye Baker would come out publicly and uh, and support, you know, homosexuals and stuff like that in the 80s, you know, during like the Jim Baker was his name uh, in the 80s. Uh, they, you know, she was very openly like supportive of gay rights. And she was until the day she died in 2007. Mm-hmm. So but the problem with the Bakers was they embezzled. Uh, I think that the final amount was something ridiculous, like $55 million or something was just missing. Wow. Yeah. Cause they were like, they were the first multinational televangelists. Their television channel was available in like every country that had a satellite dish. Wow. Yeah. And like, meanwhile, like Pat Robertson's channel was like available to like a couple million people. So, um, but then some other sad things happened. Like basically their ministry was the victim of what, what was equated to a hostile takeover. Jerry oh. Falwell basically took it from them. Um, and then he couldn't turn it around because he was Jerry Falwell. And uh, Jerry Falwell is not only not a great person, but he's also like a totally shitty performer. He's just not mm. interesting. Like the only way you're going to like Jerry Falwell is if you already agree with everything he has to say. Cause then you, he's a preach to the choir person. You know, he, he was very anti-gay, very, uh, very anti, um, anything progressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I don't even remember most of what I know about what a shit person Jerry Falwell is comes from all the Mojo Nixon songs I listen to. Cause Mojo Nixon always was picking on Jerry Falwell in his music. So, I mean, but that says a lot, you know, the thing with the bakers was they used to just make fun of how Tammy Faye wore way too much makeup. Like she wore like an insane amount of makeup. And her eyebrows were like, were like tattooed on and she just looked, you know, that way. And people, the big criticism people would give them is that they'd wear fur coats and jewelry and, you know, they were very clearly crazy rich, but it was because they were embezzling from their, from their church. You think they wouldn't be that stupid, but that's. Well, the problem, the problem with embezzlement, and I feel like you should have insight into this being, um, eh, Mm -hmm. um, still the best story you ever told me. <laughs> um, but no, um, the problem with embezzlement is usually when people embezzle funds, it's because they sincerely believe that the money belongs to them. Well, that's weird. Well, you, most people who embezzle funds are like the owners of a company or, or mm-hmm. the co-owners of a company. Um, they're people who have access to the actual cash earnings mm-hmm. and spending the money. They feel like it's theirs, even though it legally needs to be, paid to them and taxed and da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I like, and I'm not just talking about like big corporations. I cannot name names. I wouldn't want to anyway, but I have a acquaintance who got thrown out of a nonprofit organization for embezzlement and it was not a big organization. I mean, they'd probably fundraised a couple hundred thousand dollars maximum in the entire time the organization existed, mm-hmm. but 
he embezzled, he stole money. And, uh, like I said, not super good friends with him. I'm being honest. I would admit if I was good friends with somebody and they embezzled money, I just wouldn't say their name, but he, you know, when he was making amends about it, he said, he was like, sincerely, I, I thought that I was, it was mine. And, and it's important to point out that like, he's not saying that to try and get away with it because by saying that you're admitting guilt yeah. By saying yeah. I believed that money was mine and that is why I embezzled it. That's like an explanation, but it ain't an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think that's what happened. So I think that they thought, you know, since the money's being donated for God and they're messengers of God, it should just make their lives better. And they also did things like all of their property holdings were under the ministry, which is not really appropriate. Like your house isn't the ministry's property. You should, you should have to pay taxes on well, yeah. well, okay. Correction. I don't think you should have to pay fucking taxes at all, but <laughs> if we're talking about the way the world actually functions and not the way I dream of it. You would, you need to pay taxes on the home then like it, it's not the ministry's house. You just live there in between working, but that does get hard when a company is entirely, you know, you, mm-hmm. Yeah, it does get challenging, you know, to, to separate um, as a person who owns a sole proprietorship, I can tell you, uh, although I can't embezzle because the company sure is literally just me, yeah. so I can't embezzle money. Yeah. Um, not from a legal st- excuse me, legal standpoint. Oh, James Turner. Good to see you, buddy. He said F taxes. He's I'm very polite not to curse. <laughs> he literally said EFF taxes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so, but that's the thing. Yeah. So they embezzled a lot of money. Uh, Tammy Baker didn't go to prison, but Jim Baker did. So he claimed she was unaware. She may have actually been unaware, but he definitely said in court, she was not aware of any of this. Mm -hmm. So there were also all kinds of rumors. He was probably gay and, and, and had lovers that were a secret. And then like a prostitute came out and said he paid her for, uh, for sex and then paid her to keep quiet and stuff. There were a bunch of scandals. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm not here to say he's a great guy or anything, but but yeah, he definitely embezzled that money. And I think he thought it was his. I really do. Okay. That makes sense. It makes sense because there's a lot about tax law that doesn't make any sense in some ways. Yeah. Too. That you, you'd need someone to, to explain to you. So yeah. Well, and, and they have accountants, but, yeah. but then the tricky thing is the accountants work for you. So if an accountant gives you the advice, like you can get away with buying that fur coat today, they, they would never tell you now buy 500 fur coats, you know, <laughs> they might be like, you can get yourself a little something every now and then on the church's dime. That's okay. Cause you know, it's your, it's the ministry is entirely run by you and your wife, but mm-hmm. you know, one day to be like, okay, so just for ourselves, we bought like, you know, seven Rolls Royces and five mansions. And it's like, oh yeah, that isn't going to work. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where it becomes a real trouble kind of thing. So I don't know, but I mean, cause I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to purchase my house, which, um, I rent from my mother who, uh, you know, hasn't lived here in like 50, this house in like 15 years. I, I rent it from my mother and I'm going to be buying it off of her. But the amount of tax complications involved in this are very frustrating and mm-hmm. very, and very stupid. Yeah. Um, there's going to be a penalty if she sells me the house under market value then it will like, then legally it will be as if she gave me the money that the house is theoretically worth because no one's actually willing to pay the price. Like 
that just pisses me off because everything I understand about capitalism, and I love capitalism, but everything I understand about capitalism is that whatever someone's willing to pay is what something is worth. Therefore, what? I want to hear what you, I want to hear what your, what your point is. Just because you're willing to pay that amount for it does not mean other people aren't willing to pay significantly more. Yes. No, I agree. But nobody is standing at the plate saying I'm ready to pay this amount of money. That's because the house isn't for sale. But everything is for sale, Michelle. Not if you try. Everyone has a price, Michelle. No, but no, that's, that's my point though, is like, you cannot, you, sh- you should not be able to penalize someone simply because of their lack of marketing. Yeah. It's not their fault. They got a bad price on it. Shut up. Not your business. <laughs> like it, mind your business. Like, cause it's not like when I buy the house, I'm not going to have to immediately start paying property tax. Like nothing is going to change. Oh, it just pisses me off. Cause then there's all kinds of issues about like exchanging large sums of money and gift tax. And it just pisses me off. And if I go, Oh, please say something. No, you I say something, know. please. No. For the love of God. No, but you you're, the the o- you're my only hope. You're in the middle of a sentence. I did not want to finish. I don't want to keep talking about how mad I am about taxes right now. Oh, but I was just going to say something about that then. Say it. Oh, I was just going to say what, how about all those people who buy the house for a dollar from a family member? Cause I see that all the time. Uh, they, they will be, whoever gave the house will be taxed the fair market price of the house as if they gave a gift of the fair market price. Wow. That's yeah. Sucks. The $1 trick, I guess used to be a little bit more of a loophole, but now it's not much better than just giving the house for $0 anymore. That's, that's dumb. It is dumb. My mom, my mom's exactly where she's like, I should be able to sell it for whatever I want. It's mine. That's yeah. her exactly. And well, it's like, but that, but that's where the government who are shitty, that's where they come. They're like, you can sell it for any price you want. It's just, you'll be taxed for the value. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> I know what to do. I'm listening. Okay. So you got to start destroying the house. I was, I was hoping this was going to involve a lot of fraud. Yes. No, I mean, it's not really because you're just going to basically make it uninhabitable. Like we're not going to, we're going to put out a claim. So there's not (laughs) any fraud at all, actually. Okay. And then you're going to have somebody come out and I I guess is the property value. Okay. So property value you're speaking about, is it based on what the county says your property value is or based on what a person who comes out says? I believe it'll have to be based on the property value the county says because- No one require because the, the, otherwise the taxes would have to require us to hire someone to value the house. Okay, it's still okay because <laughs> you can get you can like have you can contact the county and say I don't think this is right and have them come out and when they see that your house is only partially standing now, <laughs> they're gonna be like you're you're totally right and they'll devalue the house and then your mom will have to pay less taxes and then we fix it maybe probably I not. Mean, if you want to, but it's coming out of your pocket now because you uh, own it. Oh God! Oh, uh, James Turner uh, made a made a great point. I love this. I love points like this. These laws are here to ensure that you, Henrik, don't become ultra wealthy by getting a better price for your first home and become the one percent and buy Twitter. It's a fair point. <laughs> but you know, uh, Elon Musk didn't have to buy Twitter. He could have just taken that forty four uh, billion dollars and bought uh, forty four billion McDoubles. And ended world hunger. Because that's how things work. Yeah. Well, at least ended hun- hunger for somebody for today, I guess. Also, I don't think there are 44 billion McDoubles in it that could exist in one at one moment. 
Really? Because I think if you went to all of the McDonald's <laughs> and you got them all to make as many as they could, yeah. maybe. My buddy Mike, he used to go, he used to do this when we were on the road together. He would go to, uh, we'd go to like a McDonald's or Burger King, Wendy's, whatever. And he'd walk up to the counter and he'd go, I have a question for you. And the lady's like, all right. And he's like, how many hamburgers could I get like right now? And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, what's the most amount I could order without a major weight? Like with no more than a 20 minute wait. Mm-hmm. And like the lady will sit there and think and then like go get like an assistant manager and they'll like explain <laughs> it. They'll like tell him exactly like, okay, we could definitely get you like a hundred burgers in 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, I'll have one. <laughs> that used to be his favorite pastime on the road. <laughs> and, and the, the positive response and the negative response was like completely even. Mm-hmm. To people being like, and people being like, ah, okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. I'll have one. Uh, <laughs> it's too bad we already started making the hundred of them. So, damn you, Elon Musk! I'm enjoying all these memes that are saying like Elon Musk is going to buy Coca-Cola and put the cocaine back in, which yeah. Dave just mentioned in the chat, or like uh, Elon Musk is going to buy Star Wars and fix the the last couple of movies, or Elon like it just keeps going. Uh, but, oh, uh, oh, ooh, here's a good one. James Turner just said someone yesterday tried to tell me that Elon, in fact, told the UN that he, he could fix world hunger with $6 billion. This came from someone terrified that Elon's purchase would lead to more disinformation. I remember that incident, uh, the world health organization or was it? No, it wasn't. It was the UN, not the WHO. It was the UN had said that. $6 billion could fix world hunger. And Elon Musk replied by saying, show me how you would spend it and I'll give it to you. And then they, they, they gave him a response, but it wasn't convincing at all because the UN is notorious for wasting money, almost like they're a government entity. So it just blows my mind when people think, I mean, we have a world, uh world hunger program of the UN is what it was called. Thank you, James. Uh, we have a world where people understand that there are, uh, there are individuals who are worth like $300 billion or individuals worth $200 billion, $100 million, billion. And they really think that just one person's net worth would be enough to end all of the world's problems. I, I, I you know, at first I want to say like, at first I want to say, I wish I lived in that world that they imagine where the problems are so easy to solve. But then I also don't wish I lived in that world because in their world, the problems are so easy to solve. And the only reason people are suffering is just that no one wants to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Knowing what we know, I'm not saying I love Bill Gates, but Bill Gates is a good example because his wife literally, he used to give so much money to charity that he actually started um, auditing the charities to see what they used his money for. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Melinda Gates foundation came from. She became dedicated just to properly dispersing his money to charities and making sure the charities were actually making a difference. Okay. Um, like, cause Bill Gates declared a person, this was years ago, declared a personal war against polio in Africa. Like, and he and his wife were like, we are personally with some help of some other very rich people eradicating polio. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, that is one thing to do when you're bored on a Tuesday time to get rid of polio kids. Yeah. But that being said, with with the philanthropic bent of a guy like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, if $50 billion would solve all the world's problems, they would have done it already. They would have. I mean, they would have because they already give away billions of dollars. Why wouldn't they give away a huge chunk if they knew it would be that would be it? 
Instead, they give away 50 billion over the course of like seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's still problems. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, like for any amount of money, because it's not like you can just feed people and then it's fixed. Because yeah. they still have to get food from somewhere after you feed them that time. And yeah. parts of the planet are really hard to farm on. So that's one technology. of the problems. That's the, sol- uh-huh. the only solution is new technology mm-hmm. for that. I mean, yeah. Um, and that, of course, costs money and probably costs more than like whatever billions of dollars. I would um, imagine so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's at least we're not in the ice age from Fire Punch. So. <laughs> Ah, yes. Fire punch. The story about spicy drinks, fruit drinks. Um, oh goodness. This one's a little long. I'll have to read it off screen. Uh, James Turner said, yeah, their response was that it would help, uh, quote, that it would help quote. Well, $5 would, or no, their response is it would help in quotes. Well, $5 would help. No one has ever given the sound math on how it would actually fix anything. They will criticize wealthy, the wealthy while they shirk off how the government has spent trillions in one year and haven't been able to solve world hunger in a single state of the union clown world. I mean, to be fair, I don't think the government has tried to solve hunger in any of the states of the union. Um, but I mean, I think that they spend 5.5 billion a year on food, just on like, uh, on like, uh, food stamps and food programs. They, they could spend more. They just don't. I'm just saying, I've never seen them be like, we're actually going to do it. We're going to eradicate hunger in this state. <laughs> that's true. Now I'm not going to argue that you're, well, I feel like California, that's the kind of thing California would say. And then in reality, they'd just be throwing the homeless people in the ocean. Mm. Like, that's what they actually did. <laughs> They were like, look, we can feed this many homeless people. So let's make sure there's no more than that. <laughs> Just throwing them, heave ho them into the ocean. Yeah. Uh, Craig mm-hmm. Cohen. Good to see you, Craig. Hope you're doing very well. He said, hello. Good afternoon, Henrik. Hey, Michelle. Hope you're having a nice day. Thanks. So far, so good. Oh, Michelle will be a lot happier when she gets the final call that Giggs is well after her dental cleaning and it's time to come pick your cat up. Do you think that they would just be so upset that she died that they wouldn't tell me? No, they'd call you immediately. <laughs> Good. Uh, no, they would. They would call you immediately because they 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 would do everything in their power to be fair because you're already going to be like pissed and emotional and wondering if you can sue them. So mm-hmm. they got to try to do right by you right away. Uh, I would. I wouldn't sue them. Well, now they're going to do whatever they want then. Jeez. They're, they're nice. As Michelle's attorney, as Michelle's attorney, I'm your attorney, by the way, as Michelle's attorney, she would absolutely sue you people into the stone age, into the ice age from, from fire punch. Let's (laughs) no, that's terrible. (laughs) There's just one guy on fire (laughs) and everyone else is dying. I'm sorry. It's what has to happen. Oh man. So, uh, <laughs> to wrap things up, cause I, unfortunately I need to get out of here pretty soon. Um, I've got, I'm hanging out with an old friend, an old buddy of mine. Haven't seen him in a hot minute. Um, and this was the only time cause we're adults. We, you and I were talking about this before air. Uh, we're so adult that we're sitting here, uh, doing math to figure out how to hang out, you know, the amount of time we want. So the only time that my buddy could really come over was like Nowsville. Uh, well in half an hour or so, so I need to get off of here and then run my vacuum cleaner. And I already lit a scented candle. I get, I'm so weird when I have company. That's what I always do is I light the scented candle like a few hours before they get here. 
that's my move. Um, Paul Lee said, good afternoon. Hey, Paul Lee, I'll be Hi. seeing you tomorrow night. I'm going to be uh, appearing on Paul Lee's uh, YouTube channel Oh, tomorrow cool. night. And uh, Craig Cohen said, I just had my teeth deep clean today too. Hope Giggs comes home happy. Well, she'll come home stoned. So at least there's that. What's Giggs know. like when she's pumped full of drugs? I don't know. Is this the first time you've had a, 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 a anesthesia done on Giggs? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, well, you're about to learn how funny your cat will be. I hope it's not like Xander where he would just go up to us and bite us and then just hold on with his like, not like hard, but like just continue to hard bite enough. down hard and it would enough, just be like, yeah. what, what are you doing? And he just like stand there. Ow. Youch. Well, my yesterday was spent dealing, finally being done dealing with some entertainment lawyers and then dealing with some personal drama uh, but not even mine, but I, but not professional. So I guess it's, I don't know, leave me alone. And then uh, <laughs> dealing with some, uh, some stuff about buying the house and that, and then I was so happy. I got to go see the incredible weight of massive talent with Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that movie. Uh, if you want to go have fun in the theater. Um, I, I love movies and I love going to the theater, but I'm getting tired. I need a break from all these like two and a half hour uh, tentpole movies, or even I loved uh, everything everywhere all at once. Like it's possibly the best movie I've seen this year, mm-hmm. but I'm, I need a break from like the super long change your life movie or the super long tentpole movie. That's going to have 10 more sequels and you only get a piece of the story. And at the end they tell you like part two is coming and you're like, Oh cool. I didn't know mm-hmm. I was only seeing a part one. Thanks mm-hmm. guys. It happens, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but as usual, Michelle, I will give you the final word. Oh, uh, well, but first I want to read this chat. James Turner said, best wishes and happy health to all of your animals. Thank you. Thank you very much. Henwolf just woke up from a nap and now she's looking around like she's very upset. Aww. She always looks mad when she wakes up. She's just looking around. Her face is all squished on one side. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, she's cute. I sent you that picture of her sleeping on my blanket this mm-hmm. morning or, or, or this afternoon. That was really cute. She'll just find like the thing I was using on my lap and just lay on it while I'm working. She's very cute. Anyway, what do you want to end with Michelle? What's the thing you need to, you need to tell everyone. I don't want to. Oh, that's what you need to tell them is that you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that works for me. So, (laughs) but thank you guys all for hanging out. Sorry. I couldn't hang out a little bit longer. I just have to do a thing and, also, hopefully Michelle gets her phone call very, very soon. I was kind of mm-hmm. hoping it would happen on the air so I could see you. Uh, I could be like, you feel better? And you'd be like, no. And I'd be like, well, I knew that. Yeah. So everybody take care. Be well. And we'll see you back uh, next week on Wednesday, probably. So it's yours, Michelle. Bye. I don't, I don't really want to. But so anyway, in Fire Punch, um, there's a guy and he's just totally on fire. And I like because he can regenerate, so he can't go. I don't want to do this. Okay, fine. I'm here to save you. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. You can email us at thisshowisawkward at gmail.com or go to awkwardshow.com or whatever. See you next time.